Welcome to the Off-Grid Finance Podcast, where we focus on the costs, investments, and strategies of living life off the grid. Here's your host, Randon Bowerman. Hello, world. Today, I would like to talk about um, how I am going to find my property that we're going to homestead. I'm looking to find something that is a good price, which is tough to find because I was just talking with some friends uh, about uh, real estate here in Texas, and it's just wild right now, even out in rural areas where you would not think um, (laughs) it would be as uh, expensive as, as it is. It, it's just it's just going crazy right now. Texas is mostly private owned, um, which makes it a little bit more difficult. But I think there's opportunity there if you know how to look for it, and that's kind of what what I'm going to go over today. I think it's super important uh, that you really narrow down the criteria in the type of property, the location, and what you're looking for in your in your land. I think it'll make it easier so you don't just get overwhelmed with um, as much data that can... you. I mean, because no matter what you are looking for, you'll be able to find it, essentially. Um, and then there, we'll just discuss the strategies of like how, how we're going to get in contact with these property owners. Hold on. Okay, so what I'm kind of uh, narrowing down for the properties that we're looking for... I, I obviously, I'm a Texan. I want to stay in Texas. Uh, If so, and what another thing that I would like to discuss with other people too is like, if they moved away from where their their home is, is that you know their home state or city or area wherever they're from, like what made you decide to move to those areas uh, that you ended up moving to? Was it just purely uh, the the price of the property that you were able to get, that it was rural, that it uh, the tax laws in your state weren't so um, favoring of people that want to you know go off the grid or live a more uh, homestead style life, or was it because the area that you live in just wasn't what you were looking for and purely I, I wanted to be somewhere else that's more mountainous or something like that? I, we've looked at. I mean, my family and my wife and I, we always go uh, vacation in Utah, New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona. Those are, that's kind of, and, and Texas, those are our, that's what I feel like my second home. But being a Texan and all my family's here, I want to still be somewhat close, even though Texas is the size that it is. I mean, it, we can drive for 10 hours and still be in the same state. You know, like my grandmother, she lives up in uh, kind of almost wet, nor, uh, northwest Texas in the panhandle. And uh, it takes a while to get up there. And, uh, you know, that, that's, I, I like Texas. I, it's just where I feel comfortable here. I feel like we have uh, the freedom to kind of go and off and do our own thing as long as you, you know, you abide by the rules of the county or wherever you're at. And just, uh, just I want to be left alone. And they will. Most of the time, I think. But uh, that's kind of what the first criteria is like, well, we look, started looking at all these different states and these different places and things like that. And we just ultimately decided, well, we want to be close, closer to family uh, as much as possible. So we're going to stay in Texas. Uh, second, I started gathering the counties 
that I'm interested in. Um, I've, I'm currently pretty centrally located uh, due to my, my, my current work as an appraiser. I'm, I'm going to be, I need to stay nearby. And so our ultimate goal is to purchase a piece of property uh, and then transition to living out there in phases. Uh, the idea is to purchase the property and then do small improvements, you know, um, whatever it may be. If we want to put in a well, we'll add a well. Or if we're going to do water collection, we're going to do water collection. But it, all this takes, uh, I mean, you've got to do testing. I mean, you can buy property for pretty cheap out in the middle of BFE, and it's not worth a damn. You can't get water on it. There's, it, there's the, the water table is so deep, it's just almost impossible to get a well or the water's contaminated, it's salty. Uh, I mean, then you do have, you know, for rainwater collection, you could do that, but what if it doesn't, it just, you don't get a whole lot of rain there. Um, what if the ground is uh, super just, it's just rock and it's not really good for farming or uh, you see, so you gotta do some due diligence on, on the areas and the places that you want to, um, are, are looking for a property. And that's kind of in the phase that where I'm at right now, I want to be fairly centrally located within a two and a half to three hour drive from our current home and where we live. That way, you know, we can get out there pretty easily. Two and a half, three hours drive in Texas is that's that's super normal and um, convenient for us. I understand that if you're, you know, maybe like the Northeast or something like that, two and a half, three hours, you can travel across several states. But here in Texas, that's just, you know, a day trip. Um, give me just a second here. So, yeah, we're going to stay in Texas. So I've narrowed down the counties that I'm looking for. I've got seven counties that I am focusing on. And the main strategy that I'm going to focus on is just contacting the property owners directly and seeing if we can cut a deal. Uh, maybe I can help them out and they can you know, help, help me out as well. Um, so what I'm doing to find these properties, I'm just literally contacting the county tax assessor or whoever in that county is handling the tax delinquent properties. And that's, if you're gonna do any additional research, look up tax delinquent properties. And so the idea is I'm not buying these from the city or from the county. Uh, the tax delinquent, you know, there's the foreclosure, foreclosure uh, auctions and the tax delinquent auctions or the tax deed sales. That's once the bank or the county has already foreclosed on that property for past due taxes. So my goal is to contact these property owners that are behind on their taxes before the foreclosure process takes place and contact them directly speak to them like a human being and see if we can't work something out out i'm helping them get out of their debt they're helping me provide a property that we can uh homestead so that's that's the goal that i'm looking for is to contact these property owners directly and help them out of a situation before the foreclosure process happens i am in real estate for uh, a profession so this stuff is, is kind of what I picked up over the years, uh, you know, buying and selling different 
properties and things like that mostly deal with residential. So looking at uh, pure raw land is going to be something new for me as well. So I'm learning as I go, but I feel like this would be a good opportunity to go over what I'm finding and my trials and errors and put it out there to the world so that, you know, you guys can uh, find your own property as well and make the least amount of mistakes as possible. So what I'm doing is I'm, I've, I've narrowed it down to the counties that I'm interested in. And you can get as deep as with this as you want. You want to find out uh, what the county restrictions are uh, for what you're trying to do on your land. Uh, like in Texas, in the, our area, if you've got more than 10 acres, you get an uh, agriculture, agricultural exemption, which will help out on taxes. I think, And it's pretty big. Uh, so we're looking for minimum 10 acres that we can buy and homestead. And what we're looking to do on that property is uh, raise some animals, raise some crops, uh, and essentially just uh, get away out there and do, you know, work on the property. But, um, yeah, that's what I'm, I've narrowed it down to these these counties and what I'm doing is I'm contacting each county tax assessor or uh, whoever handles the tax delinquent properties in that area. You're going to have to talk to them. Usually if it's a smaller county, you'll have to talk with somebody directly and you'll have to ask for how, how what's the process for getting the tax delinquent list. Most of the time the tax in these smaller counties, they, they're only going to have one, um, Say one or two sales a year. Bigger counties, uh, you got Tarrant County, Travis County, uh, things like that in Texas where the, there's big um, auctions and things like that. They will have multiple uh, auctions throughout the year, but if it's a, usually if it's a smaller county, you're, they're only going to have a couple a year. But you're going to have most of the time, I, I, I don't know how this is in other states, but here in Texas, for the counties that I'm looking for, I have to pay for this data. And I think it's worth it. It's a small... Um, investment for potentially big returns and what in the type of property you're looking for. So most of the time what I found it's anywhere between 25 to a hundred dollars to get this list of properties that are behind on their taxes. And then from there, it's going to be uh, a pretty wide range of different properties. You're going to have just regular single family lot and block houses in the, 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 the main towns of that County. And then you'll find that there are uh, pieces of property, uh, you know, out in rural areas on county roads or ranch roads or things like that that are are behind on their taxes as well. And usually the reason why they may be behind on their taxes, I mean, not counting COVID or anything like that, people losing their livelihoods over some, uh, you know, shutdowns or anything dumb like that. There are... Uh, uh, I mean, just a wide variety of reasons. Usually what I've seen is that some, especially if it's a more rural property, you're going to have a property owner that may have passed away. They got this property back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, something like that, if they're an older uh, person, and they may have passed away. It, it, that property in the, in the state of Texas, it uh, goes down the chain of line to your heirs, and the heirs just don't keep up with it, essentially. They... Uh, you know, it's kind of almost a, especially if the heirs have no want or uh, they don't see value in this property. They live in the city and they, they it's almost like 
a headache to them to have the have this property to have to pay the taxes on it to have to do upkeep on the on the property things like that whereas it was a it was a real a valuable asset for their parents or grandparents or whoever it was that they got the property to. So that property may go just to the wayside and they'll forget to pay the taxes on it. Even if the taxes are pretty low out in some of these counties, uh, they just forget. And uh, it'll, it'll that just accumulates over time. And if, if it accumulates up to a certain amount, the, the, uh, the county will begin the foreclosure process uh, in, in lieu of... Uh, or whatever that term is, the tax, the tax, uh, the deed in lieu of uh, tax delinquents. Pro, uh, uh, am I saying that right? In lieu of tax deed, in lieu, I'm not sure. I hope you get the gist of it. But uh, so they'll begin that process. Every county is going to be a little bit different. I've seen properties that are behind years, years. And they still haven't begun the process, the uh, foreclosure process. And then I've seen in some of these bigger areas, you know, if you're behind six months or less, they'll go ahead and start the foreclosure process. And what's crazy, too, is the tax. Uh, if, if you buy from uh, a property from the tax auction, the tax lien is the first in the chain of title, even bef uh, before the mortgage. Um, so this, it's another, If I mean, if you're looking to make income or something like that, there are opportunities to buy these properties for what they're owed on taxes uh, or the, the, the deed sale or the, uh, and basically you buy, you pay the, this person's debt and then they have a certain amount of time here in Texas. I think it's two years where that they, they can uh, come and reimburse you for the taxes owed, but typically there's an interest that's tacked on onto that. And so if somebody owes $3,500 on their taxes or 10,000 or whatever it is, there there's usually a percentage of interest that is during the auction process uh, decided. And that could be anywhere between zero to, you know, 15% sometimes I've seen uh, for interest owed on even on top of their, uh, the the what they were behind on their taxes and uh, so that's how some investors make a return on that i do not want to deal with the county i'd rather contact the property owner up front and before and try to work something out directly with them i think we're all humans and we should be able to talk to each other like we're humans and and help each other out uh, not looking to take advantage of anybody whatsoever I'm looking to find a good property for my family and I and help somebody out of their debt and potentially a possible foreclosure. And I'm not looking to charge interest or anything like that, whereas well, that's, you know, kind of where the what's dictated in the um, with the auction process. So that's why we want to get this tax delinquent list beforehand from the county that you're interested in and start doing some research. Uh, if there's there could be. 200 uh, you know different properties that are up for sale or that are behind on their uh, their taxes excuse me not for sale that are behind on their taxes and you'll just have to kind of sift through that and start doing some research you know bust out Google and Google Maps and uh, your your county data uh, usually the the CAD the central appraisal district for that county and start doing some research on the type of properties uh, that are behind on their taxes. And then 
it's gonna t and I'll, I'll do an additional video as well where I'll share my screen and kind of go over the what uh, once I have this data you know what how I narrow it down and how I find out what type of property it is how I f see how much they're behind etc and so what I'm going to do is once I've gone through done the research find found out how much they're behind what type of property it is does the person live there on the property or is it an absentee owner quote unquote remember that absentee just means that they don't live on the property it, usually maybe somebody bought this as a, a vacation uh, property uh, you know just for recreation maybe they'll go out there and shoot guns and ride four-wheelers around or something like that and that's another way that you know even if the property wasn't inherited they bought this as recreational as a vacation property and it just became a kind of thorn in their side you know they can't they maybe they got older and they just can't get out there and maintain the property the city's on them for uh you know not mowing in front of their fence or whatever it may be you know the county counties i'm looking for nobody's going to be out there no the city's not going to be out there up your butt for it looking uh to have you mow stuff that's the idea right with uh, this type of life is go off grid and tell it tell everybody to kind of f off so you don't want the city uh <laughs> trying to give you fines or anything like that for uh not mowing or something dumb like that but uh anyway that that could be you know this is, could be just a vacation rental for somebody where they you know, just kind of let it go to the wayside and they don't have time to keep up with it and they're willing to, uh, you know, get out uh, for essentially what they may have put into it or sometimes even less. And that's where you can come in and provide value for them. You know, rather than ha having to go through the traditional... Uh, and I guess that brings up the second reason why I don't... I want to contact the property owners directly. Whenever a uh, property owner lists their property with a real estate agent and i hold an active real estate license as well in full disclosure i'm not talking down on the industry or anything like that i just feel like this type of real estate transaction can be done person to person contacting the property owner directly it's it's more beneficial for you both you could potentially get a better uh you know price on a property and the property owner does not have to pay certain um, fees and things like that, additional fees to get their property sold, which could also could take years for them. And if they're already behind on their taxes, they may not have years to uh, you know, let it sit there and find the right property buyer for it. So whenever a property is listed with an agent, that agent has a vested interest. Obviously, the higher the property sells, the higher their commission is, right? So they're going to, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that agents overvalue their properties. Sometimes they do. Uh, but, you know, that's how you kind of gauge the market, if, especially if it's one of these super rural properties. You kind of just put it out there to price and see what the market tells you what it's worth in a sense. Uh, who, what's somebody willing to pay for this? And that could take a while because if it doesn't have any industrial utility, to like a you know a business or something like that then it's got to it's going to be down to a property owner how much utility does that property provide for them and that's going to be subjective like for me i'm looking for a property that i can do certain things on it farm raise animals um, you know it doesn't have a good water table things like that um where did i go from there 
So yeah, that's why we don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to go and find the property through the traditional route. They're typically going to be up there in price and then the negotiating factor and you're going through a third person, you got to talk to the agent and then they got to go back to the, the owner and, and then, I don't know, there's just more involved and whatnot. That being said, if the person wants to have an agent involved after you contact them, more power to them. I, I want them to, you know, if they want to have proper uh, contracts looked over by an agent or an attorney or whoever it is, I mean, that's beneficial, I think, because they're more understanding the process and it can reinforce uh, that this is a real transaction and you're not just some Joe Blow uh, looking to take advantage of somebody calling out of the blue, essentially. But what I'm going to do is, um, once I get this tax delinquent list, you narrow it down the property uh, and you find out how much they're, they're going to owe, and then I'm just going to send a letter to them, and I'm going to be open and honest. I'll put an uh, example of the letter that I'm going to send these property owners on the blog, just being uh, honest with them. Hey, look, I am a sing single uh, person. Well, not a single person. It's, it's just me. I'm, basically, I'm, I want to convey that I'm not a business. I'm not a corporation. I'm not some company that buys properties. It's just me and my wife that are looking for these properties. She helps me do the due diligence and the research on these properties. And I'm going to contact them and say, hey, look, it's me and my wife. We're looking for a property for us. We're not looking to resell this property or anything like that. We want to buy this property directly from you for particular reasons. We like this county. We like this area. And we think that there uh, is an opportunity to help you out as well. I noticed that you're on um, a tax delinquent list where you're behind on your taxes. I'd be willing to pay your debts uh, if we can negotiate a, a price uh, so that we can buy the property from you. And so that's the goal with these properties is that you, you're going to help them out. You negotiate a good price where you know they, they cover their debts owed on the property. Uh, hopefully they make some money and uh, you both you know, they get out of uh, foreclosure and away from their debt and creditors and certain things like that. And you get to buy a property for a good price. Um, and so that's, that's kind of why I want to uh, go that route. There's other additional routes owner, uh, you know, for sale by owners, things like that, where you just contact people that maybe have a for sale by owner sign out uh, on the front of their property. You'll have to probably do more driving around unless uh, your Zillow is pretty good in your area, and you can if they've decided to uh, even post that property on Zillow on the for sale by owner Craigslist. Uh, just I've, you know, I don't see a whole lot of great properties on Craigslist. I like this uh, kind of diamond in the rough strategy a little bit better. Uh, now we can talk about how are you going to finance the property? There's two scenarios for me. Uh, so the goal for us is to get the property paid for as quickly as possible. That's the whole goal for us is moving out to this property is to be as financially free and independent as possible. That's my mantra all day long. Uh, debt-free, financially independent. Debt-free, financially independent. Uh, especially if it's a property you want to homestead, you know, the, the only, I've talked about this in the past and why, what I'm so interested in uh, talking on this podcast about is like, what are people doing to create income while they're living out here? Is it, are they working online? Do they still commute into town? Do they 
just uh, create uh, value off their, their property. What are people doing? We want to have as much opportunity as possible and the least amount of overhead as possible. And the best way to do that is have your property immediately, uh, or the, one of the first things that you pay off first, I, in my opinion. So there's a few different strategies, you know, if depending on the price or how much you have saved up, I don't know what your means are. We're not, we're, we're well off, but we're not rich by any means or anything like that. We're, I think, pretty run in the mill middle class. But uh, we would like to either be able to pay cash for the property if it's depending on the price, or we would like to hopefully owner finance the property. It's, it's a little bit harder to obtain raw land uh, mortgages from a bank or a lender. There are people out there that are banks and lenders out there that do it. But I think um, it's, it's just a little bit tougher to get a lender on board with something that they, they just don't, lenders typically don't see as much value in just raw land. There are, you know, like capital farm credit and things like that. And I think the, I don't know if USDA, if you need to have, it needs to have a structure on it or not. We'd love to find a piece of property at a great price that already has, you know, some kind of structure on it. That just means that there's utilities there potentially, uh, maybe a well um, or th something like that. If not, you're going to be able to find a better price on straight raw land with no utilities anyway. And then you just add the infrastructure and improvements. And if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do. That's why we're uh, doing this in phases. We want our property to be close enough to where I can go out there and work on it when I have free time and on the weekends and and uh, be able to improve the property. But if you are, you're able to negotiate a great price on a property that has a structure on it, it's usually a little bit more beneficial because most of the time, if there's a structure on there, unless it's a straight hunting cabin, uh, there's probably uh, going to be at least some utility. Um Let's see, let's see. I do want to talk about one thing here, and the, the term is adverse possession. And there are opportunities. So an old buddy of mine, he actually took control of a property of a uh, person that had passed away, and their family wanted absolutely nothing to do with this piece of property. And he made every effort over several year period to get in contact with who he needed to get in contact with to buy this property. Well, they didn't want to have it. They just wanted, they were going to let it go back to the city. Uh, the, so that foreclosure process through the, the taxes was already started to be enacted. The city was going to foreclose on this property and then just resell it at an auction to an investor that was usually going, probably going to flip it or uh, hold it as a rental property and put renters in there. Whatever they were going to do, it was going to be sold to an investor. 95% of the people that buy from these auctions are investors, right? So he say, in my mind, he saved this property. And what? so these ta properties, they're behind on their taxes. There's this law that's in place. Let me get the actual definition for adverse possession so you can hear... Um, what the actual verbiage is. One moment. Okay, adverse possession. The term adverse possession refers to a legal principle that grants title to someone who resides on or is in possession of another person's land. The property's title is granted to the possessor as long as, a cert as certain conditions are met, including whether they infringe on the rights of the actual owner 
and whether they are in continuous possession of the property. Adverse possession is sometimes called squatter's rights, although squatter's rights are a colloquial reference to the idea rather than a recorded law. So this, this is a real law. This came from Investopedia. Uh, it exists so that property doesn't become destitute. Um, obviously, there's some risk here. This is not a strategy that I'm wanting to um, use, but I think it should be known that it's available. And how he told me this kind of came about was in the old ranching days, and he, he uh, his family's ranching, and uh, they knew of a property that was destitute, that was had been abandoned or something like that. Instead of letting this property go back to the county, uh, a some, somebody that finds utility in the property can pay the back taxes, and that's like a huge key in it. They have to have paid the taxes, made improvements to the property. Usually if it was ranch land, they would uh, start grazing cattle. They would fence it and start grazing cattle. So they would pay any past due taxes. And then over a period of time, usually in five to seven years, they could take actual title and own that property. That being said, if you get into it year four, year four, 364 days, and the property owner comes back and says, hey, what's going on here? That's my property. Then you're kind of, I mean, you, you're encroaching on somebody else's property. That's why you have to make every attempt possible to get in contact with who you need to get in contact with to try to buy that property first. But sometimes there are going to be vacant, destitute, abandoned property and land. Whether the person that owned it died and had no heirs, uh, whatever the, the situation may be, this, this law does exist, and I think it gets a bad rap, obviously, because, <laughs> I mean, somebody could come in and... Uh, you know, you don't want somebody coming into your house, right? And just setting up camp and saying, hey, this is mine now. Uh, that's why I think it can get a bad rap. I don't, that's not what I'm advocating with this. I just think it should be known that there sometimes there are going to be destitute property. Uh, and if you're in the area and you know, and everybody in the area knows that this is destitute property and they don't know how to get in contact with the property owner, you've contacted the city, you've gone through, uh, skip tracing everybody that's on title. They're all gone, dead, have no want in the property. There may be opportunity there. This is not something I'm advocating for or even going to use, but I think it should be talked about. Um, especially if it's somebody, you know, like in our community, somebody that's going to improve the property and maybe farm on it and actually bring back uh, nutrients into the area. I, I, I think that's beneficial instead of just letting it sit there and not have any uh, value to anybody. But that's, I guess, for a different conversation. Uh, but essentially, that's what I'm going to do. I will, uh, the next few podcasts, since I don't have any guests lined up, and again, if you guys have any guests that would be interested in talking with me and kind of going over their financial situation, that would be fantastic. But for the next few podcasts, I'm going to just uh, talk about you know, making offers on properties, finding properties, doing due diligence on properties. I think that's number one, numero, numero uno, <laughs> stupid, uh, in the things that need to be done on the property. Now, I talked about the phases and what we're going to be doing. So year one, we want to buy the property. 
and then as soon as possible start adding infrastructure if say say we just buy a completely raw piece of land that has not been cleared that has no infrastructure whatsoever we're going to buy it and then we'd like to put either a uh, some type of a camper or a cabin, something, you know, like a, a deer lease type of cabin or something like that uh, out there. So we can go out there, stay and start working on the property. Then we'd like to potentially add a well or water collection, start planning out where we want to put a house. And if we need to clear an area, do that. Start, uh, if we need to, uh, upgrade the fencing on the property just really try to start adding value immediately and then as we go you know maybe the year or two we can get the well dug uh, and then we'd like to get a foundation put in for a property and we'd like to uh, uh, you know figure out uh, solar panels uh, or if we're able to tie into the grid you know that be a secondary alternative how much that would cost things like that I don't know. There's just different things. I think a lot of it's going to come down to once you find your property, it'll be a little bit more clear on how you're able to set that property up because there's going to be different. I mean, the topography of the properties are all going to be different and <clears throat> you're going to uh, need to really survey that property to find out where things can be placed that's mo most beneficial. And I think that's a podcast in itself is talking about the structure and layout of your property so it's most beneficial to you uh, and your daily needs so anyway i think that was a uh, pretty good information and i'm kind of getting tired of talking i'd like to keep these podcasts at around the half hour mark i've got stuff to do and i know everybody else does as well and i look forward to providing more content and networking with everybody in the future thanks so much Thank you so much for listening to the Off Grid Finance Podcast. And thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel and all social medias at the Off Grid Finance Podcast.